Welcome to the Living Room Podcast. The Living Room is the college ministry of Buckhead Church in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information, you can check out thelivingroomatl.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this talk. To our family, what's up? How y'all feeling tonight? Pretty good, awesome, awesome. Well, man, it's good to see you guys in the room. That was amazing, band. Thank you for leading us so strong as you do every single week. If uh, we've never got the opportunity to meet, I'd love to introduce myself really, really quick. My name is Matt, and I get to lead the living room here at Buckhead Church with an amazing team of people um, that you see around every Monday night and some amazing volunteers and small group leaders. And man, um, it's just awesome. I love this community. I love Monday nights. I love what is happening here. I think it's special, unique. I love all of you, even if we've never met. Um, Not in like a weird way, you know, like like you get it. Um, But anyways, uh, man, I'm excited for tonight, and I'm excited for where we're headed tonight. But before we get to that, um, I want to just pause and talk about what's coming up here at the living room. There's a lot of exciting things coming up at the living room. You'll hear about some more of those later on tonight. But right now, I just want to talk about what's happening two weeks from tonight. So um, Monday, October 7th, I believe it is to be exact, we are having a house party here at the living room. So it is going to be a night you don't want to miss. I'm just telling you in advance so you can like put it on your calendar so you know there's I hope you don't miss any Monday nights but like you don't want to miss October 7th Monday October 7th it's going to be an incredible night it's an awesome opportunity for you not only to be here but for you to bring someone with you maybe bring a few people with you maybe even some people with you who have never been to the living room before because it's going to be an awesome night there's going to be some different surprises and things happening that are a little bit different than a normal Monday night so we cannot wait for that Monday October 7th house party at the living room but tonight tonight we're kicking off a brand new series here at the living room called Unashamed, Unashamed. Now, I've been thinking about that word unashamed a lot over the past couple days, and I started thinking, you know, there are a few things in life that I would say I'm unashamed of. Like, there's a few things in life that I'm unapologetically unashamed of, some things that I'm just like a fan of that I seem to talk about a lot, some things that like I tell others about a lot, some things that like I spend a lot of time doing and thinking about. And the first thing that came to my mind as I started thinking like, what are some of the main things or just some of the few things that I'm like unashamed about? First thing that came to mind, honestly, um, or one of the first things, maybe not the first thing, but one of the first things was like, I'm unashamed to be a fan of Tombstone Frozen Pizzas. Anybody with me? Okay, like... 10 of you, that's cool. Um, So like, I don't know how you feel about frozen pizzas. Like I get that y'all are in college. So like frozen pizzas, I think are like a thing that were when I was in college. It was like, ah, frozen pizza again. Yeah, we had that the last four nights. Like I know, but but I love Tombstone. Maybe you're like in the Red Baron camp or the DiGiorno camp. Um, That's cool. We still love you, Um, but I'm all about Tombstone, okay? Like I am so for Tombstone pizzas. I've grown up on Tombstones. In fact, just being honest with you, like, some of the most exciting moments in life for me right now are when I go to the grocery store, um, which that in and of itself is an exciting moment. I love going to the grocery store. Uh, But when I go to the grocery store, I always go down like the frozen aisle, like the frozen pizza section. And when tombstones are on sale, when they are three for 10, like I am, it's crazy. Like the aisle gets hype. And if there's people in the aisle, it's just like, yo, join the party. Like three for 10, I buy at least six. One time I came home with nine. It's amazing. And it's really not even that good of a deal. You save like 80 cents at the end of the day. But um, but it's awesome. So I love Tombstone. If anyone works or has a connection with Tombstone Corporate, um, hit me up. I'd love to partner with you. Uh, so another thing that I'm unashamed of is, uh, this is harder to say, but The Bachelor, okay? I, I'm just gonna say it. Like, I'm unashamed to be a fan of The Bachelor. Now listen, I'm not promoting the show. If you don't watch it, don't start. If you get relationship and dating advice from it, stop. Like... <laughs> 
It's not a great show, but it is entertaining. Like I watched The Bachelor, I watched The Bachelorette. I'm even gonna say it, I'm gonna be honest. I watched The Bachelor in Paradise, like I do. <laughs> Bip is terrible, like Bachelor in Paradise, I'm not, I'm actually not a fan of that. But Bachelorette, Bachelor, it's cool. Like I watch it and you know, it's, it's great. And Chris Harrison, he's the host, if you've never watched the show. And every single season he says something along the lines of, this will be the most dramatic, greatest season in Bachelor history. And every single time I believe him, I'm like, yes, I believe you, Chris Harrison. But anyways, uh, one more thing I thought that I'm like kind of unashamed about is candles, okay? Anybody? Yeah. I'm losing like some dude is in the room right now and you're like, bro, like I was with you, man. When you came out, I was like, cool, man. Like he's rocking some good kicks. Then you went on Bachelor candles. Like where are you going next? Like I, that's, that's it for me. But I love candles. I really do. Like I love a good smelling candle. Like last night I was up late and I was like kind of preparing and stuff. And like I, I cracked open this brand new cracked open. I don't know if that's what you do with the candle, but like. I lit this new candle, right? And it was like a fall smelling candle. And it was amazing. Like it got me in all the feelings, like straight up like Drake in my feelings. You know what I'm talking about? Like I was just vibing. Like it was amazing. I love a good smelling candle. So that's enough for me. I'm just curious really quick. I'd love to hear from a couple of you. Like what are maybe some things or something that you're unashamedly a fan of? You said something, say it again. Some. I didn't hear you. Say that again. Say what? Anime. anime, got it, anime, okay, sorry. It's hard to hear from the stage, it's hard to hear. Okay, anime, that's cool. Um, yeah, what you got? Big time rush. Big time rush, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, uh, You're standing up, like you're ready. What you got? Say it again. I didn't, I didn't hear it, but Justin Bieber. When I was 13, I had my first. Okay, that's enough, that's enough. Hey, fun fact, Justin Bieber went to Buckhead Church when he was in high school. Like, that's, that's for real, he did. Um, anyways, and one more, one more. We got anyone over here? Yeah, you got something. You're like, whoa, what's up? What you got, what you got? The Cheetah Girls. The Cheetah Girls, she said. We're taking it way back, the Cheetah Girls. Cheetah girls, cheetah sister. All right, I gotta stop. I'm in a, I'm in a rare mood tonight. Okay, uh, we could keep going on and on. Like all of us have things. It's fun to talk about. Like in your small groups tonight, maybe that can be like a good icebreaker. Like, hey, what are you unashamed of? But tonight, tonight we're kicking off a brand new series called Unashamed. And here's where we're going the next few weeks. We're gonna be taking a look at the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome. And it's the letter that has now become known as the book of Romans. And the title of this series, Unashamed, comes straight from the text. It comes straight from Romans chapter one, verse 16. And it says this, this is what Paul wrote. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. He says, I'm unashamed of the gospel. What is the gospel like? What does gospel mean? Well, the word gospel literally means good news. So Paul says, I'm unashamed of the good news. The good news of what? The good news of Jesus. That if you, put your faith in, and if you put your faith and trust in the death and resurrection of Jesus, then the good news is you can be saved from your sins. And I just wanna say from the top to every single person in the room tonight, no matter what you're carrying in with you tonight, everyone's carrying something in with you, no matter what you're going through in life right now, no matter what you currently believe, like whether you're all in or you're like, I don't know, I might be all out when it comes to this whole Jesus and God thing, no matter where you are, can I just tell you there's good news for you? 
Like if you ever felt like something was missing in your life and you weren't sure what it was, you're still searching, there's good news for you. If you've ever found yourself running to anything and everything to try to find fulfillment, to try to fill something, fill a void in your life, there's good news for you. If you've ever struggled with the same sin or the same sins over and over again and you can't seem to shake them and you feel super defeated right now, there's good news for you. If you're not a Jesus follower in the room tonight and you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus at any point in your life, there is good news for you. If you feel like you're not good enough and you're never gonna be able to measure up, you're never gonna have what it takes, there's good news for you. If you feel like you found yourself in just a rut spiritually, like you're just on this cycle and you don't know how to get out of it, you don't know what to do, you feel like you've tried everything, I just wanna tell you that there is good news for you. The Apostle Paul goes on and he finishes this verse by saying this. He says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentiles. So the Apostle Paul says, I'm unashamed of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, not just like a few people who believe, not just a select group, not just the people who believe, but they kind of have their lives together. No, to everyone who believes. Paul says, I'm unashamed of this gospel. It's the power of God. It's the power of God that can save you from an old way of living that led to nothing but regret in your life. It's the power of God that can save you from an old way of living that ultimately caused death and destruction in your life and relationships in your life to every good thing in your life. It's the power of God that can save you from an old way of living that ultimately led you to eternal separation from God. And Paul says, this is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. This is the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus that I'm unashamed about. And Paul says, this is good news for everyone. But if there was anyone who understood how good this news really was, it would have been Paul. See, because Paul had a pretty crazy, unique story. Like, I'm not gonna share Paul's entire story with you. I would encourage you to go check it out at some time on your convenient, at your convenience. But I, I do just wanna share a quick snapshot, like a quick overview of parts of Paul's story. See, Paul, at one point in his life, was known by the name of Saul. So at this point in his life, Saul was known as someone who hated Christians. Like he hated people that believed in Jesus, that followed Jesus, so much so, like it wasn't like Saul was just like, oh, like, you know, he kind of spoke badly. Like he posted mean things on social media about Christians, you know, like he kind of treated them badly. You know, he didn't hang out with any Christians. No, no, no. Saul hated Christians so much that he made it his life ambition, his whole mission and goal in life was to go around persecuting and killing Christians for their faith. This was Saul. In fact, there's this scene in the book of Acts. You can read it in Acts chapter seven specifically. Saul is present when the first Christian is being killed for their faith. There's the first Christian martyr. That's what they call it. And Stephen was the first Christian martyr to be killed for his faith. And Saul had a lot of power. He was very influential. And Saul was standing there the entire time as Stephen is being stoned for his faith, being stoned for believing in Jesus. And Saul is standing there saying, good job, keep going. In fact, there's a point where all the men who were throwing stones to kill Stephen, they come over and they take off their cloaks, they take off their jackets, and they set them down at the feet of Saul. And they're like, Saul, can we just set these here? Can you keep an eye on them? These cloaks like, are kind of getting in the way, you know, so we can throw the stones a little bit harder. And Saul's like, yep, go for it. But then something happens in Saul's life. He has this unexpected, amazing encounter with Jesus. 
And from that moment forward, everything began to change. Like it was like a complete 180 in his life. And eventually Saul becomes known as Paul and Paul gets to this point where now he's saying words like this, like he's writing this letter to the church, to the people in Rome. And he is saying, I'm unashamed of this gospel. I'm unashamed of this good news. See, Paul, who was formerly known as Saul, he gets to this point in his life where he realized that he had a really, really big problem. Like he had a big problem and it was a problem that was going to require an even greater power. And this is where Saul is. He says, man, or Paul, I'm sorry. Paul gets to this point where he's like, I'm unashamed of this gospel, of this good news, because I've realized that I was doomed. Like I had no hope. I had a serious, serious problem. And I had a problem that was gonna require a much greater power. Like I wasn't gonna be able to solve this problem on my own. A few years ago, two years ago to be exact, or maybe a little less than two years ago to be even more exact, uh, I moved from our apartment into our uh, first house. And so we moved into this house and we were really, really excited, but I was also nervous because moving from an apartment to a house means that like you're picking up some responsibilities, like you kind of got to take care of your yard, you know, and like when things break, you can't just call maintenance. And so I was like, okay, I'm excited, but I'm also nervous. I'm not really good with all this stuff. And so we moved in and obviously like when you move, um, and when you move into a new house or any new space, like the first priority is what? Like to get the boxes in the house, right? Like unload everything, get your bed set up, like make sure you're, you know, comfortable and relaxed and all that. So that was like priority number one. But for me, priority number two right after that was to get the front yard looking right. And I'm not like the type of guy that's like gonna be out in my yard every single day, but like our front yard was not looking right, if you know what I'm saying. Like we walked up with our realtor, this is a true story, and my wife, Ann, I love her, um, but she was like, hey, Rich, um, that's our, the name of our realtor. She's like, Rich, what kind of grass is this? I've never seen this. And he's like, oh yeah, this grass in your front yard, um, these are weeds, that's what this is. I was like, that's great. But I wasn't even worried about that. I'm like, the weeds are green, like it can deceive people if you look at it from a far away distance. I'm like, that's not even my concern. My real concern are these bushes. Like there were like six bushes in front of the house that you guys looked so terrible. Like they were tall, they were ugly, they looked like they were dying. And I'm like, yo, we've got to get rid of those bushes like ASAP. So once we got everything moved in, after like the first week or two of living in the house, I was like, Ann, I'm going to take care of these bushes. And she's like, okay, like you sure you need help? Do you, you, you want to like hire somebody? I'm like, no, like I'm going to do this on my own. So like, I, she's like, okay. And so she's like, well, what are you going to do? I'm like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go grab a shovel and I'm gonna dig up these bushes, and that's what I'm gonna do. So I get, uh, you know, I walk out front. I got this, literally this shovel right here. It's the weakest shovel ever. Like, what am I doing? And I go out there, and I'm like trying to dig up these bushes. Mind you, these big, huge bushes that were probably planted like years and years and years ago. So at first, I'm like, this isn't gonna be that bad. So I get out there, and I just start like digging, and I'm like, this isn't working. And so I'm getting like frustrated and now I'm like really digging, you know, and like, and, and, and eventually I get to the point where I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. Like this isn't working. I feel like I'm making the whole situation worse. In fact, so I do what any person would do in this moment. Like I kind of just set the shovel down like this. I grab my phone out of my pocket and I pull up YouTube and I type in how to dig up really ugly bushes in front of your house. And like, I find like a couple things that aren't helpful. Then I find this one and it was like this older guy who like grew up on a farm and he's like, you wanna know how to dig up bushes? All you gotta do, and he's like, pulls out. I'm like, I don't have time for this, you know? He's like, you just take that show and go. And I'm like, I can't, I'm not following you, bro. I don't even understand what you're saying right now. <laughs> and so like, I'm like, this isn't helpful. This is not helpful. And I got to a point after like two and a half hours 
where literally nothing had happened and kept peeking out the window and I'm like, just go away, you know? Like, <laughs> it wasn't working out. So what did I do? Set the shovel down and I was like, well, uh, let's get used to the bushes, you know? <laughs> I realized that we had a problem. We had a problem and it was gonna require a greater power. Like I wasn't gonna be able to do this and take care of this problem on my own strength. And in fact, that's what I wanna title this talk tonight. I've titled this message tonight, A Problem Meets a Power. A Problem Meets a Power. And I just wanna speak to the people in the room tonight just for a second who would claim to be followers of Jesus. Like at some point in your life, you've put your faith and trust in Jesus and his death and resurrection. I just wanna ask you, like, when's the last time you stopped and thought about the gospel, the good news of Jesus as being something that's really, really powerful to you. Because I think what happens, or at least what I've experienced in my own walk with Jesus, is that like when you first put your faith and trust in Jesus in that moment and for a little while thereafter, like it's like, man, this gospel is so powerful because you realize what this gospel has saved you from. And for like those next like few months or maybe even a couple of years, like you were so on fire for the gospel, for the good news of Jesus. But then at some point, that kind of starts to wear off. And eventually, as you mature in the faith, you get to a point where you're like, yeah, I know the gospel. I know the good news of Jesus. Like, I put my faith in it. I tell people about it, but like, I don't know. It doesn't really feel powerful to me. Like, yeah, at one time in my life it was, but now like, I'm, I'm kind of I'm beyond that, you know? Like, I've kind of graduated from the gospel. And can I just remind you that to really understand the magnitude of the, if its power, the magnitude of the power of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, we have to understand, or maybe we have to be reminded of the depth of our problem. Like to really understand the magnitude of how powerful this gospel is, we have to remind ourselves and really understand the depth of our problem. And you might say, well, Matt, like what is the problem? You keep talking about this problem that needs to meet a power. Like, what are you talking about? Well, here's the problem. Paul says this just a little bit later in Romans chapter three, verse 23. He says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's the problem. Paul says, every single person has sinned. All of you have sinned. And because of that, because of that sin, you have fallen short of the glory of God. See, sin creates a separation. It creates a boundary between us, between humanity and God. There's a problem. Paul goes on to say just a little bit later in chapter five, he says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Paul says God understood that there was a really, really big problem called sin. And so what did he do? Well, he sent his son Jesus to live on this earth. And at just the right time, while we were still powerless, while we were still stuck in our problem, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for you. He died for me. He died for everyone. Paul goes on the very next verse. He says, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. Keep going. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I love this. He said, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, while we were still stuck in our problem, while we were still so wrapped up and stuck in sin, Jesus died for us. He died for you. He died for me. 
I wanna illustrate this to us because I don't want us to miss this. Um, I'm gonna grab a couple things from back here. Uh, the first thing is this water bottle right here. I just want you to work with me for a second. We're, we're going somewhere here, I promise. Um, imagine that this water bottle right here is Jesus. Like it's perfect, it's clear, you could drink from this, like it's great. Um, so imagine this is Jesus. Lived a perfect life without blemish. Like that's where he is. Then imagine like this person right here, this bottle, like it's a little bit dirty. I don't know how well you can see that on the camera or not, but there's, there's some stuff in here, but, but not a lot. And so you'd say like, this is like Mother Teresa, Oprah, Billy Graham, Martin Luther King, you know, like the people who have lived like a really, really, really good life, you know, and like they don't have a lot of sin. They got a little sin, of course, but like if Jesus is right here, perfect, like they're like right here, you know, like they're pretty close. They're like as close as you can get to perfect without actually being perfect. And sometimes like you feel like they might be perfect, but you know, they're not, you know, like you're, they're right there. And then this, you're like, well, this is me, like. I'm definitely worse than those people. And so like, I'd probably put myself like somewhere like right here. I'm not that bad. A few months ago, I was like over here, but I've, I've grown, I've, I've, I've changed some things, you know, like we've talked about some things on Monday nights and like I've taken it to heart. And so like, yeah, I might even be like, right. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm right here, yeah. But then you're like, well, like while I'm all the way over there, like there's this guy over here and this is like really, really dirty. Like there's a lot of stuff in here. Like, this is my roommate, you know? She's like over here. Like, let's, let's be fair. She's like right here. He's like right here, you know? And this is kind of how we view this whole sin thing, right? And we're like, you know, I'm on the right path. Like eventually, if I can just kind of change some things and like get some things together, like maybe in a few years when I grow up a little bit, like I'll kind of move a little bit closer and like, I'm, I'm good, right? I'm, I'm not like this person. Like we think it's a scale. And can I just tell you this? That's not how God sees sin. Like God looks at humanity, he looks at sin, and he says, hey, there's a problem. And the problem is this, one sin separates you from God. God's not like, yeah, you know what? Like you just have a little bit of sin. You have a lot of sins. Like, no, 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 God's like one sin puts everyone right here. We're all on the same playing ground in God's eyes. He's not like, well, this person, no, we're all right here. And there's this separation, there's this gap, there's this problem. And so what happened? Well, the problem of sin in us required the power of God beyond us. God saw that there was a really big problem called sin. And so he said, hey, the problem of sin in us, it's going to require the power of God beyond us. A problem is going to need to meet a power. And so what happened? Well, God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to live a perfect life. And at our worst, Jesus gave us his best. Let me say that again in case you missed it. God sent Jesus down to earth to live a perfect life. And then at just the right time, at our worst, Jesus gave us his best. So what does that look like? Well, that means what happened was Jesus lives a perfect life. And then when his time came, he willingly goes to the cross to die. And he sheds his blood for you and for me. And this is what happened. The perfect one, Jesus, pours out his blood for humanity. And this is not where he's at. Why did he do that? Why was this so important? Well, because now 
for everyone who has sinned, which is humanity, we now have hope. We now have a power in that if we put our faith and trust in what Jesus has done, if we put our faith and trust in his death on the cross, if we say, you know what? I am believing in his blood. I'm believing that his blood covers over my sin. Like that's the power I'm leaning into. Then guess what? The person who has just a little bit of sin, they can be made right with God. The person, you, who has a little more sin, you can be made right with God. The person who has a whole lot of sin, who you're like, man, there's no way this person could ever be made right with God. Like, like they, you know, like this is the type of person that when you ask them to come to church, they're like, church, like, you know, like whatever the saying is, like something hell would freeze over, you know, I don't know what the saying is, but that person, yeah, Jesus is like, no, no, no. They can be made right with God. See, the blood of Jesus is hope for every single person. We all have a problem called sin. The good news is that there's a power found in a person named Jesus. And it's a power that was displayed in the ultimate act of love. When Jesus willingly went to the cross and died for you and for me, but he didn't stay dead. And can I just say this to the believer in the room tonight? For the person who has put your faith and trust in Jesus, for the person who has moved from here to here, you never graduate from the gospel. We've gotta stop saying that. We've gotta stop thinking like that. We've gotta stop acting like that, that at some point it's like, oh, the gospel is not deep anymore. I wanna go deeper. You can't go deeper than the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus. You can't go deeper than that. I hope you never get tired of talking about the gospel. Like I hope when I'm 80 years old, if I live to be 80 years old, I hope that I am sitting on my front porch in a rocking chair with my grandkids, if the Lord gives me grandkids, and that I'm saying, man, can I tell you about the good news of Jesus? It saved my life. I never wanna grow old to that. I hope we as a family here at the living room never get tired of seeing people come from death to life because of the gospel of Jesus. For those of you who are in the room tonight and you would say, I'm a non-believer, like you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, I just wanna encourage you by saying, hey, nothing disqualifies you. Like you can't discredit your, yourself from that type of love. There's nothing you could ever do or say that would make God love you any more or less than he does. That's what's so amazing about this gospel. See, Paul understood this, which is why he says this, check this out. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Keep going. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness, don't miss this, that is by faith. From first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. He didn't say the righteous will live by good works. The righteous will live by not saying those words. The righteous will live by cleaning themselves up. The righteous will live by showing up to church every single Sunday morning. The righteous will live by knowing all the new worship songs. No, no, he said the righteous will live by faith. That's the gospel. You couldn't do it, you had a problem. Your problem met an even greater power. I told you that I had a problem with digging up these bushes in my front yard, right? And so honestly, what I did next before I get, decided that I was like, 
you know, convinced myself that I was gonna give up. What I did next was like, hey, the YouTube video thing's not working out. I just need a bigger shovel. So I went to Lowe's. Sorry if you're a fan of Home Depot. Went to Lowe's, it's closer to my house. I bought a bigger shovel. And I thought to myself, this is gonna do it. Like, this is gonna take care of the issue. I just had this little small, like, weak shovel. I just need something that's a little bit bigger, that has a little bit more strength, a little bit more power. So I got this bigger shovel. It was like the biggest one I could find at the store. And I get there and, and I get back to my house and I'm like trying to dig. And I'm like, this is not working either. This isn't working. Like, I don't think I could find a big enough shovel because I'm too weak. Like, your boy hasn't been hitting the gym much recently, you know? But even if I had, like, I st there's no way I could do this. So literally, I set it down, and I was like, I'm, I'm giving up. And just as I was about to give up, my brother-in-law, he comes into town, and he's like, hey, man, trying to dig up some bushes? I'm like, yeah. He's like, with those? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, that's not gonna work. I'm like, yeah, I know. And he's like, well, I think I could... I have an idea, I think I could do it. And I'm like, oh, why? Because you're 6'5 and 240, you play D1 football? Come on, big guy, give it a shot. And he's like, no, bro, not, like, that's not gonna work. And I was like, well, what's your grand idea? And he's like, well, what we're gonna do is you need to realize that you need something that has, like, power. And I was like, okay. He's like, well, I got a truck and I got, like, some chains and we're gonna wrap these chains around the bush and attach them to my truck, and then I'm gonna start driving, bro. And like, the bush is gonna come, I can promise you that. Like, your house might come too, but the bush is coming. And I was like, let's do it, you know? So we tie the chains around the bush, one at a time, attach it to his truck, it's a big old truck, you know? And he starts going, and sure enough, like, the roots start coming up, the bushes start coming up. I thought I, there was like a mild earthquake, but I'm like, keep going. And he starts driving. And one by one, every single bush comes up and I realize, man, this problem is being worked out. My problem has met a power. But you know what I had to do to get there? I had to set down the shovel. I had to let go of the shovel. Some of you tonight, man, you gotta let go of the shovel. For far too long in your life, you've been thinking it's about good works. I gotta do more. I gotta say less. I gotta show up to this more. I gotta have more knowledge. I gotta be in a better relationships. I gotta be good in school. I gotta do more. I gotta do, 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 do. And it's like, no, 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 you gotta stop. And you gotta let go. You gotta set down the shovel so you can grab hold of your savior because you need power. And it's not a power that you can grab hold of on your own. It's a power that is only found in the person of Jesus. This is the gospel, people. It's the gospel of Jesus. It's good news for every season, for every situation, for every sin. If you've got a pulse, then God has a purpose for your life. He's not done with you. And this isn't just hype. Like I'm not just building up some temporary hype right now. No, person after person in this room could tell you tonight that this, what I'm talking about, this good news of Jesus, this gospel, it is eternal hope. It's not temporary hype. It's eternal hope. And man, tonight, I just hope that some of you would be courageous enough to say, man, I don't know everything. I don't have it all figured out. This is all brand new to me, but I'm letting go of the shovel. I'm gonna let go of it. I'm tired, 
I'm exhausted actually. I feel like giving up. I'm gonna let go of the shovel. I'm gonna grab onto my Savior. So I was gonna just end tonight, pray it out, sing a song, say we'll see you next week. But here's what I know about the gospel is that the gospel always requires a response. And I just think there's some of you in the room tonight, maybe it's just one person, that tonight is the night for you when you need to put your faith and trust in this Jesus. You need to let go of the shovel and grab hold of a savior. So here's what I'm gonna do in this moment. If you were here last week, it's very similar to what we do last week. We don't do an invitation every single week, but I feel like I'd be missing an opportunity if I didn't tonight. Right now, I'm just gonna invite everyone across the room just to bow your head, close your eyes if you would. And if tonight for the first time in your life, you need to set down the shovel, you need to stop trusting in your own good works and you need to put your trust and faith in the finished work of Jesus, I'm just gonna invite you to pray this with me. There's nothing special about this prayer. This prayer just solidifies what God is doing in your heart. I'm just gonna invite you to pray this. You don't have to pray it out loud. Just say, Heavenly Father, I confess that I am a sinner in desperate need of a Savior. I believe that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. Tonight, I'm choosing to place my faith and trust in his death and resurrection. And from this day forward, I wanna follow him the best that I possibly know how. In Jesus' name, amen. With heads bowed, if you would, just for privacy. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time tonight, if you just put your faith and trust in Jesus and our risen Savior and that gospel, would you just shoot your hand up so I can see you? No one else is looking. Yeah, I see hands going up. It's amazing. You can put them down. Here's what I wanna do. Again, did this last week if you were here. We're a family. Family celebrates when big things happen. I need you to know that a bunch of people in the room tonight just put their faith in Jesus. So all, if you just raised your hand and said, I put my faith and trust in Jesus tonight for the first time, I'm just gonna ask you for three seconds of courage, that's it. And here's what I'm gonna ask you to do in just a moment. I'm gonna ask you to stand so that we can celebrate with you and for you because you just made the greatest decision of your life. We just saw you go from death, spiritual death to spiritual life in Jesus. And so if that's you tonight, if you just raise your hand, if you just put your faith and trust in Jesus, this is your moment right now. Would you just be bold enough to stand right where you are and we're gonna lose our minds and celebrate with you. Is there anyone in the room? You just put your faith and trust in Jesus. This is your moment. Stand to your feet right where you are. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, that's like a whole row right there. Let's go. Hey, we can do a little better than that. Come on, woo, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Hey, can everyone else stand to your feet in this moment if we could? We're going to close out in just a second with this song. Ben, you can come on out. I'm going to pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Goodness, we thank you, God. We thank you for this gospel. This isn't just good news for some people. It's not just good news for the people that showed up at the living room at Buckhead Church tonight. No, this is good news for our city. This is good news for our country. This is good news for our world. And so God, I, I just celebrate the people tonight who just put their faith in you, people who were willing and courageous enough to say, I'm letting go of the shovel. I'm grabbing hold of my savior. I'm stepping into new life tonight. I pray that this would be the beginning of what's to come in their journey. It's amazing. And God, we're gonna close out tonight by just singing an anthem really that just says, 
you have arrested death. You have arrested death once and for all, and tonight we get to celebrate that, and God, we're just grateful. We're grateful for what you've done, we're grateful for what you're doing, and we're grateful for what you're going to do. It's in your mighty name we pray tonight. Everybody say, amen.